let's encourage ourselves by God's word this morning. So it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, this is his shining moment. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this thing you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Should we pray? Lord God, we thank you for a new year and we thank you for your grace, which is new every morning and every year. And we ask now that you'd fill us with your spirit as we reflect on your word. Amen. So as Gareth has already figured out, we've all either given up our New Year's resolutions or we just didn't attempt them in the first place. Is that right? I, I, love, I love new beginnings and I love new opportunities. I love, I love thinking of new ways in which I'm going to grow or I'm going to progress or I'm going to get better. Maybe you've bought a, a new notebook um, Faith in our office has bought several notebooks and she's refusing to write in them yet um, because she doesn't want to ruin them. <laughs> Faith, let me tell you, you're going to ruin them. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, maybe you've got a new diet plan. Maybe you, you've started running. Maybe you've, you've got that gym membership. You got it in, in December, though, because you didn't want to be one of those people who signed up in January. You're like, oh, I've been here for a while, you know, all these newcomers coming into the gym. But whatever you've done, um, but maybe also you've been thinking about your relationship with God how to grow in your faith. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, maybe this is, this is a, a moment, an opportunity, this season of growing in my faith, becoming more like Jesus. I, I would love to draw your attention to our grow. grow. Grow is our framework at Bay Church for our discipleship, which helps us to live in the story of God and develop as disciples of Jesus. We, it's sort of like these tools that we have to help us through habits and through disciplines to help us grow into the likeness of Jesus. And we're going to be focusing a lot on grow. I feel I've been um, praying over the last term, and I, I was asking God, what is the new year going to hold for, for Bay Church? And I felt the Lord say, um, it's about growing together. Growing together. And I'd love to do that with you over the next couple of months, is to grow together. And so what I want to do today is I want to focus on that reading we had, which is, which is um, I guess... Uh, the, the story of which it's the reason why Jesus came in the first place, because of the sin and because of the fall. 
but to, to highlight some things that for you and I, we will experience in our lives this year and always in our lives and how we can respond to these things that come. Because whatever resolutions you've made, whatever goals you've set yourself, there is someone who doesn't want you to achieve them. It's not your in-laws. It's not your colleagues. It's not someone in this room. But it's someone that the Bible describes as the enemy, the Satan, the devil. And in this story that we read, it was the serpent. It's the enemy. So I want to say, Happy New Year to you. Let's talk about the devil for a bit. So... <laughs> I, I, um, there's, a, there's a preacher and, a, and an author, someone I, I, I really love called John Tyson. John Tyson, and I'm, on, I'm part of his mailing list. And he sends out this email every, every week to sort of to fathers. He, he loves speaking into fatherhood and, and fathering sons. And, um, and he sent out this email and the, and the email started learning how to fight in 2024 learning how to fight in 2024. And he gave all these sort of tips uh, of how to, how to enter into 2024 with a fighting spirit. Because you and I are in a battle. We're in a battle. Jesus said, the thief or the enemy, the Satan, the devil, the thief in John 10.10 comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that is what is on offer for you and I. Jesus wants to offer you and I life and life in all its fullness. So let's have a look. I've got my flip. I've really enjoyed the flip charts. Some of you love it. Some of you cringe. Um, I grew up in the Baptist church in the 90s and everyone had one. Um, even if you weren't preaching, you just had a flip chart ready um, in the Baptist church. And um, <laughs> Here's what we have. So this is, this is, these are the things that God wants to offer to us. God wants to offer us intimacy. God wants to, always wants to be with us, close to us. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve. He was close. He offers intimacy. But the enemy wants to come in and provide isolation, wants to create isolation, wants to isolate us from God and from each other. God wants to bring unity. God's desire is always to bring people together and to draw us together. But it's the work of the enemy to provide division. We saw that in Adam's lovely response about his wife. There's division that comes in. What God wants to do is affirm us. He wants to affirm our status as children of God, as loved by him. But it's the work of the enemy that wants to bring shame to our lives wants to shame us for the things that we do and the things that we say and the, the people that we feel that we are. And then here we have life, life in all its fullness. That's what God wants to offer you and I, life to the full. And it's the work of the enemy that brings death and destruction to steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I, we live, we live in this sort of area here. We live in this area here. And so if you ever feel like you're being torn <laughs> to and fro, you ever feel like you're in a battle, it's because you are, because we live right here. And for those moments where God is drawing us closer, there is, a, there is an opposite force trying to isolate us. For every time that we, 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 
God wants to uh, affirm us and encourage us, there is the enemy reminding us of our sin and our shame. And so we live here. So if you feel the tension of that, it's a very real tension that we all feel. But Jesus offers us hope. Jesus offers us a way to fight and not only fight, but win. Thank you, everyone. Love that. So what I want to do is I want to take us through some of the tactics of the enemy, but then some of the tools in which Jesus gives us that we might combat, and not only combat, but win in that fight as well. You up for it? It's feeling good. I love it. So here's, here's some of the work of the enemy. The enemy who's in red, obviously, because it's like a Star Wars thing almost. The enemy wants us to doubt God's word. We saw that in, in the garden. Did God really say you can't eat from the fruit of the tree? Did God really say that? And in our lives, we might have had things spoken over us or we feel like God is saying things over our lives and it's the work of the enemy that might sow seeds of doubt. Is God really like that? Did God really say that he loves you? Does God really, really say that? And of course, that's, that's, that's difficult to, to deal with, but we have, we have the best antidote solution because our solution to when the enemy tries to make us doubt God's word is we have God's word. And what we can do is we can read the Bible. We can read actually what God has actually said. And God does say he loves you. God does say you are his treasured possession. That's how we can respond to the enemy's work of trying to make us doubt God's word, respond by actually reading his word. The Bible is one of the daily habits within our grow framework. It's right at the center, Bible and prayer. And we can do that. We can fit that into our, our grow framework. But let's look at the next one. What does the enemy try to do? It makes us try to undermine. He tries to undermine God's character. makes us try and undermine God's character. Not only did God really say that, but oh, here's why God said that. Because God knows if you were to eat from this fruit, you would know the difference between good and evil. God's holding things back from you. God's not a loving God. God doesn't have your best interest at heart. That's what the enemy is trying to do. Undermine God's character. Undermine the things that is true about God and twist them and make them, make them appear different than they are. What do we do in response to when the enemy tries to undermine God's character? Well, we respond in worship. We respond in worship. Because when we worship, we remind ourselves of the character of God. We sing truths about God and his love for us and of his faithfulness and of his steadfastness. When we worship, we realign ourselves with the person of God. And so when the enemy's tactic is to come and undermine God's character, we remind ourselves of the truth of who God's character is. And so we've got the Bible, we've got worship. Hey, this is a weekly habit. You can come here every week within the Grow Framework. You can worship, you can worship every month at Kingdom Come as well. Plenty of opportunities to do that. Here's the next one. What the enemy tries to do is deny, I haven't left enough space, deny consequences 
but then also deny forgiveness. So here's how the enemy works. Surely you won't die. Surely that's not such a bad thing to do. Surely, God, surely that won't happen. And deny the consequences of an action. But then when we do the action, you think, oh, you've messed up now. You've really messed this up. There's no forgiveness for you here. So he denies the possibility of consequences. And then when we, when we do the thing, we, we make the mistake, or we do that behavior, or we sin in that way, then he denies forgiveness. He says, oh, man, you've royally, royally messed this up now. And denies forgiveness. But here's how we respond. Here's how we respond. Oh, I've messed this up. <laughs> Will you forgive me? <laughs> what we do is we repent and we believe. The act of repentance, where we say, God, I'm sorry. I know I've fallen short. I know I've messed up. And then we believe that he is... He is faithful to forgive those who come in confession to him. We believe, because that's what God says, if you come in repentance and you turn from your old ways, I am faithful to forgive. And so when we repent and we believe, we, we, we stop this enemy's tactic of denying consequences and forgiveness because we know, yeah, I know I, know I am going to mess up, but I know God's going to forgive me and I know God's going to help me lead my life in a direction where I'm going to stop doing this so much. And we're leading into a life of becoming more like him. So we've got the Bible, we've got worship, we've got repent and believe. There's lots of things the enemy does. This is just this is this is not an exhaustive list either. But here's what the enemy does as well: tries to misdirect our desires. We are we are desiring beings. We desire things. We desire stuff. And what the enemy tries to do. It tries to misdirect our desires, tries to spoil them, poison them, turn them from good to bad. So Eve wants to, wanted knowledge, and that in and of itself is not a bad thing. It wasn't a bad desire. What made it bad is that God said, don't do it. And the enemy then goes, no, no, what you desire is good, and you should go for it. That thing, if it makes you happy, go for it. If it doesn't hurt anybody else, Go for it. But if it's, if it's not aligned with God's heart and God's will, then it's, then, it's, then it's a misdirected desire. And so what we do in how, how we respond to this is, is everyone tracking this okay? Yeah, lovely. What we do here in response is prayer. Because when we pray... When we pray, we realign our hearts with God's will. We realign our desires with God's desire. Because, it, And if you pray the Lord's Prayer like I do every day, it says, your kingdom come and your will be done. And that prayer in and of itself is a prayer of trying to realign our hearts and our desires, our motives, our agendas with God's. And so we respond to the tactic of trying to misdirect our desires with prayer, with saying, God, I want to align my desires with yours. What the devil then tries to do is make us focus on what we're, on what we're lacking, that thing we don't have. Because if you noticed, Eve did actually say, but God did say, 
we could eat from like everything else, just not this one. <laughs> you know when you do something and then you get like nine compliments and you get one bad thing, what do you focus on? The one bad thing, right? And that, maybe that's a New Year's resolution for me. Actually, that, I say that. None of you actually are that discouraging to me. You're all very encouraging anyway. But we focus on the thing that we're lacking when we had all this stuff in the first place. And what that enemy tries to get us to do is focus on what we're lacking. And that's either lacking in our character and lacking in our person, but it might be material things as well, what we're lacking as, as people, what we're lacking um, in, our, in our jobs and what we might be lacking in our possessions. Focus on what we're lacking so that we want more and more and more. And yet the response here, actually, we, we, sat, we sang this. We've already done this this morning. The response here is gratitude. I love the phrase attitude of gratitude. Because what we do is we try and ad- adopt a, a posture in our lives where we're, where we're, where we're thankful. Where we're purposefully thankful for the things that we have. The people that we have, the people that God has surrounded us with, and the things that God has done for us and is giving to us and blessing us with. And by doing that, that's so prayer is a, is a daily habit. Gratitude as well, that's a daily habit. If you can throw, if you can throw that in as well. Gratitude towards, towards God and what he is doing in our lives. Let all these things that just completely diminish the power of this stuff and these tactics of the enemy. So simple and yet so hard at the same time. Well, what we have here then, uh, last two, is the enemy tries to get us to go with the crowd. Oh, poor Adam, that woman God gave him. And, and he just went with it. He just went, he just went with what was happening, went with what was going on. And that's, that's the temptation as well. If everybody else is doing it, if everybody else is living like this, if everybody else in, in the business is sort of going after success um, at all costs, then, then, then that's what I've got to do. Uh, in, in the, if everyone else has no integrity, then maybe I don't need integrity. I'm just going to go with it as well. Go with the crowd. And here's, here's, here's the response here. Is Christian community. Christian community is the response and the antidote to this tactic here. Because where he wants us to go with the crowd and what everyone else is doing, the response is to surround ourselves within Christian community, within people who are going to encourage and support us, people who are, who are trying to do the same thing that we're doing, live a life that pleases God and draws us closer to him. This is our groups. This is, uh, what is this, a weekly habit? A weekly habit within the GROW framework where we meet, well, bi-weekly, every other week, um, and surround it, well, come to church as well. There we go. Do you like how it all fits within the GROW framework? It's like it was done on purpose. But surround ourselves within Christian community, those who can draw alongside us and say, yeah, I'm going through that too. Let's pray. Let's come forward for prayer. Come forward for prayer on Sundays. We're going to leave that space, and I'm going to finish in the next Five, five minutes, five minutes to, to, to give us an opportunity to respond in prayer, to draw alongside, get shoulder to shoulder with people who want to see God's kingdom come on earth, but are finding it quite difficult in the battle that we've got going on in our lives. Surround yourselves with Christian community. Here we go. We've got Bible, worship, repenting and believing, um, prayer, gratitude, community. And here's the last thing. It's not the last thing, but it's the last thing I'm going to mention today. And um, this is what the enemy wants us to believe that you are not 
enough. That you're not enough. That you lack in some way. That there's something you need in addition to who you are that will help, that will complete you, that will make the difference. The enemy wants you to believe that you are not enough so that you will tire yourself out going after those things that you feel like you're missing. And you will burn yourself out in the process of doing that. So say you are not enough and the serpent says, well, you surely won't die. And if, if, actually, if actually you did eat this, then this is what you would have. And then you'd, be, then you'd be like God. Then you would be like God. Because at the moment, you're not enough. But if you did this, then you'd be like God. I don't know if you know Genesis 1 and 2 well at all. But in Genesis 1 and 2, it says that God created him in his image. In his image, they're already like God. They don't, they don't need anything more. God has breathed his life into them. God has given them everything they need. They don't, they don't need anything more. They've been made and created in his image to bear his image in the world. They are enough. And actually, here's, here's an interesting antidote to this one. So the response here is self-denial or, or, or self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Where we respond by saying, actually, I know, I know I probably am not enough. Not on my own anyway. Not without the presence of God in my life. Not without what God has done for me, driving me forward, living within me. When the enemy says you're not enough, we respond with self-sacrifice, a laying down of our lives and accepting all that Jesus has done for us. And what did Jesus do for us? Jesus lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and he died for us in our place so that we don't have to. And then what he does here is... Jesus takes on isolation. He was separated from God the Father. And he was beaten and bruised and killed and experienced the pain and loss of the love of the Father. Jesus took on division. He was hurt by his friends, betrayed by his disciples. Jesus took on the shame that you and I deserved the shame that we carry, and he poured it upon himself, took it upon himself. And then ultimately, Jesus took on death in our place. And Jesus did all of this on the cross and did all of these things so that you and I could know all these things, that we could know this, that we could have intimacy with God. We could have a restored relationship with God. We could know unity we could know the loving, affirming grace and peace of God in our lives. And we can have life, and life in all its fullness. This is the offer of Jesus this morning. And I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. Because there's lots of times where I don't feel enough. And there's lots of times where I doubt, doubt that 
God's word. There's a lot of times I doubt God's character over my life, particularly this one. There's lots of times where I doubt that I am forgiven for the things that I do and the things that I say. And there's a lot of times which I'd rather just go with the crowd and go with what's, what seems to be in. But Jesus provides a way out. Jesus provides a way out from the striving. All the, Jesus provides a way out for us so that we don't have to face any of these things in our life. We don't have to carry any of these things in our life. But we can accept the love and the freedom and forgiveness of our God. Amen. Amen. Would you like-